If you've had a chance to be with us since the start of the new year, we have been engaged in a sermon series entitled I Am. And I think there's a lot of great things about going through this sermon series together, but one of them is that these I Am statements are statements that Jesus himself is giving to us. So it's not up to us to guess or to make our best uh, estimate of what that might be. Jesus is telling us directly about these statements. And one of the things that's great about this is that he's giving us images and metaphors and not just words. So words are good and words are powerful, but words in the end can only go so far. And so as Jesus comes along and he starts to give us different images and different metaphors, they can take us even beyond our understanding of the words that are given to a deeper understanding of who Jesus is and living into that together. It reminds me a little bit of, uh, you know, kind of opening up a window each week that we come together and we can see with greater and greater clarity into who Jesus is. Or maybe you can think about holding a diamond and every time you turn that diamond just a little bit, there's a little bit different angle in which you can see a different angle of the beauty of God, the beauty of Jesus. And so every I am statement lends itself in that direction. I came across a Keller quote that I wanted to share with you that I really think is appropriate for us as we're talking about these I am statements. It says this, he uses the mundane to illustrate the sublime, the earthly to eliminate, excuse me, illuminate in the heavenly. Every I am saying of Jesus, therefore, is a reminder, we don't climb up the ladder to find God, but he in his grace scrambles down the ladder to find us. So I love that as we gather together here this morning that each one of these images, I just picture God coming down to us and saying, here's how you can better understand me. Here's a greater sense of my clarity, a greater sense of my beauty, a greater sense of who I am. So you might remember a couple of weeks ago, we looked at the first statement of when Jesus said, I am the light. And when Jesus did that, he reminded us of his majesty, that light has the power both of life and death, and so does Jesus. We then talked about Jesus as the bread, and there is something essential about bread that every day we rely on food to literally give us energy and strength to move forward. We as the followers of Jesus rely on him literally to get from one day, one moment to the next. There's an essential element to him in our lives. Those that were able to come last week or to watch online, we talked about Jesus being the gate and this simultaneous in and out life found in Jesus that we want to live into both as individuals, but also as a corporate body and as a corporate church. As we come together here this morning, if you have your Bibles with you, I want to invite you to open to the book of John, fourth book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then in the 10th chapter and in verses 11 and 14, we hear these words that I want to share with you. In verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And then in verse 14, again, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Jesus is telling us very clearly this morning, it's pretty simple on the surface, I am the good shepherd. And it is a straightforward, simple statement, but my hope this morning is that when we look at that statement in its most basic, most simple element, I hope that together we're not going to miss all that is within it because it's a substantial statement. What is it that Jesus is trying to share with us? If light has a sense of majesty, if bread had a sense of this essential nature, if the gate has this reminder of in and out, then what is Jesus sharing with us with this shepherd imagery? And the thing that I think Jesus is most sharing with us is that of all the images that we're going to look at together, this image of the shepherd is by far the most personal, the most intimate. There's even a sense of vulnerability that Jesus is sharing with us. Jesus wants us to know 
that with him as our shepherd, there's a very, very intimate personal connection that is to be found there. And it's my hope that as we go throughout this time together here this morning that we can just focus on that one component because if we do, it changes literally how we worship and it changes how we view our connection and our relationship to God and with God. So what we're going to do is we're going to look throughout these passages, these verses. I think there's this increasing intensity to the personal nature of what it means for Jesus to be a shepherd, and I want to walk you through that as we gather here this morning. The first thing is probably one of the most obvious elements, but it is needed in order for a personal connection to occur, and that is understanding that shepherds know their sheep. So again, that sounds really simple, that sounds really basic on the one hand, but it's a reality that if we're going to have any personal connection with each other or with one another, there has to be this element of knowing, otherwise no amount of connection can occur. And when we do that, we know that the shepherd is going to know the voice of their sheep in lots of different ways and know their sheep beyond their voice, but for who they are. Uh, in my family, my grandmother right now is 93 years old. Uh, she has been remarkably healthy throughout her life. Just in the last six months or so, some of her health has begun to deteriorate a little bit. Uh, her mental state isn't quite what it used to be. But here's one of the things that is phenomenal to me about my grandmother. I can call her up right now after not having talked to her, her for however long, whether it's been a week or days or longer than that, but I can pick the phone up and call her. All I have to do is say, hi, grandma. It's those two words, and instantly she will say, Hi, Matt. How are you doing? She knows her sheep quickly, intimately. Even my own parents sometimes, between my brother and I, they'll get a little bit mixed up, but my grandmother, even no matter what else is going on, she knows my voice instantly. I wonder how well we know Jesus. I wonder how well we know the voice of our Savior, of our Shepherd. Because for so many of us, Jesus is little more than coming to learn about, facts about, information about. And once we do that enough, we don't come to worship anymore. We come out of habit. We come to be moral. We come because it's what we should do. And when we do that, we lose whatever sense of passion and connection we would find in a personal way. Because we no longer are coming to know the shepherd. We're coming to know and learn about the shepherd. How well do you know Jesus as this personal, intimate connects with us in every way, shepherd. For me, this is the game changer. For me, this is what changes our gathering from coming together and saying, eh, I like the music today or I didn't. Jake and the crew, they did a good job or not. Eh, that wasn't one of your best sermons. So we come together in this space and we spend time in a personal way connecting with the one who loves us more than we could love ourselves. That we spend time in a personal way filling our hungry souls for that which our souls long for. Shepherds know their sheep. I know a lot of you did not have a chance to be with us last week, but one of the things we looked at was that when shepherds are with their sheep, they would get together at night, and when it was time to rest for the evening, they would literally take them to a sheep pen of sorts. And what would happen is the shepherd would lead them there, they would be there for the night, and sometimes they would be the only flock, and sometimes there would be lots of different flocks there. 
But in the morning, well, during the night, so that nobody could get in or out, the shepherd would literally lay down in the one space, the gate that is there. You couldn't get in or go out without going across the shepherd who was guarding the sheep and being there with the sheep. But in the morning, when it was time to leave, the way that it would happen is the shepherd would get up, and especially if there were multiple flocks there in the sheep pen, all the shepherd would have to do is get up and use his voice and call his flock, and they knew his voice well enough that they would come and start to follow after him. They didn't need 10 dogs behind pushing the sheep along. The sheep knew the voice of their shepherd and they willingly followed because they trusted that shepherd. They knew that shepherd in a deep, intimate, personal way. This is how Jesus feels about us. That he calls us, he protects us. For these shepherds and, and these sheep that we're talking about, the shepherd is literally the lifeline for these sheep. Literally, Jesus would come along, or excuse me, the shepherd would come along and he would protect them, he'd help them find food, he'd help them find risk. He took care of every single component of their life. And so when we gather together in this place, do we recognize Jesus as our lifeline? The one who's with us every day in every circumstance because the reason that the shepherds knew the sheep so well, they spent all day, every day together in the good and in the bad, in darkness and in light, when it was hot, when it was cold, when there was lots of grass to eat, when it was all rocky ground to eat, no matter what was going on, shepherd and sheep were together all the time, so of course they knew each other deeply and personally. Do we in our lives understand that Jesus wants to walk every moment of every day with us so that he also is our lifeline that no matter what we're going through good or bad a pay raise or the loss of a job when the Patriots win or when they lose when a new child or grandchild is born into our family or we get the worst medical news possible Jesus is there every moment of the way. He is our shepherd who wants to know us personally. Look what it says here this morning as we're looking together. Chapter 10, verses 14 and 15, it says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. The word that is used here for the word know is a word called gnosko in the Greek. And literally, when it's talking about knowing somebody else, it's not talking just about know about them as in thinking about them. It's talking about knowing them in such a way as to have a relationship with them. So we're talking about two categories of knowing, a cognitive category and a walking with in relationship category as well. It's the difference between knowing facts about somebody and actually knowing who someone is. And John here is telling us this morning that when it comes to the shepherd and their sheep, it's not just a knowing about an intellectual thing throwing throwing that out there in your mind it is walking with them and the way that you know somebody is to be in relationship with them day in day out again do we know Jesus in that way or do we only know about walking in relationship with deep intimate personal vulnerable or information about Many of you know about my wife, Jen. I mention her pretty frequently. Uh, Probably for many of you, when I say Jen, I hope you like her, I mean, as I've referenced her, but for most of you, it would be like, yeah, I I appreciate Jen. I mean, I know a number of facts about Jen. Matt's given us lots of facts over the years. Uh, Jen is five feet, five inches tall. Jen has long brown hair. Jen has beautiful blue eyes. And I say those things, and you're like, yeah, that's nice. Jen's the mother of three. 
Great, those are nice facts. You know some information about her. That is very different than in my life when on a daily basis I get to experience the passion that she has for life, her care of some of the most vulnerable among us, her sense of justice, her humor, the relationship I have with her because on a regular basis she extends grace and forgiveness in my life for the many ways that I fall short, for the ways that she just enriches my life on a daily basis because it's just good to be with her because I love her and who she is. Do you hear the difference in the knowing? And Jesus as our shepherd, it's this second category of relationship. That's the way he wants to be known and for us to know him. One of the reasons I love some of these images in the Gospel of John, it sort of takes me back to my childhood. I've told some of you that I had the chance to grow up on a farm and there were good elements and there were some not so good elements about that. But I love reading about the sheep. My, my dad is a farmer to this day. We don't have sheep. We never had sheep. But there are some similarities between sheep and cows. And, and there were lots of cows on my dad's farm, specifically Holsteins. So uh, not Guernseys, not Brown Swiss, anything. We had Holsteins, the black and white cows. And it was always interesting because when you, when a shepherd would know their sheep well enough, they knew them so well, it almost looked kind of weird to the outsiders, like to know them that well. And I can still remember growing up on the farm, at times there would be visitors who would come to the farm and they would look at all the cows out there and, my, and, and to their eyes, they all looked the same. They could not distinguish one cow from another. And that always amazed my dad because my dad was with them all the time. He fed them all the time. He was, you know, had to take care of them all the time. So when he looked at the cows, each one was incredibly distinct, much like in our own families. We look at our family members. Each one looks different. My dad could look at all these cows, and he just knew them, you know, inside and out in all kinds of ways because he had to spend so much time with them. In fact, my dad named every single cow we ever had. And I remember to this day some of the names of some of those cows. So I remember one of them was named Gloria. I don't know why that one was named Gloria. It just was. Uh, I remember Dixie. Uh, Dixie was pretty cool because she, this, I never saw a cow do this. She would like sit down on her back legs on her hindquarters, but keep her front ones like this. So like kind of like a dog or a cat would sit, but she was a cow and she would sit like that sometimes. I still remember in my head, Dixie sitting like that. Uh, I remember Beauty. Beauty was one of our favorite cows because she had broken her leg. Usually a cow, if it breaks its leg, that's usually the end of its life. But my dad nursed her back to health. She became tame. She became like a pet in our family. So fond memories of Beauty, our cow. Uh, and maybe one of the most unique cows that we had, and I, I, I can't remember the exact reason why my dad named her this, but my dad named one of our cows Toad. Like, like kind of like the frog kind of thing. Like, I don't know why, but I can picture Toad in my mind. My dad knew them well enough and all of their distinct features, and each one of them was known by name. Shepherds know their sheep by name. Jesus knows your name and what is unique about you and what is wonderful about you and what your struggles are and what your joys are and what your passions are and what your struggles are and everything in between shepherds know their sheep that's one reason why this imagery is of a personal nature, but it's more than just knowing about their sheep. There's another level of intimacy and a personal connection between a shepherd and their sheep, and that is this. Shepherds offer their life and protection for the sheep. 
They don't just know them. They don't just care about them. But when, when it is needed, a shepherd will step in and protect their sheep no matter what. Now, if you stop and think about this, in some ways, uh, I want to say to us, the reason that shepherds had to guard their sheep, sh- uh, sheep, they're great animals in some ways, but they're also not good animals in some ways. Because if I can just be plain, sheep are rather dumb animals. They're not very intelligent, Uh, they're not very fast, Uh, they're not very nimble, they're not very powerful, there's no way they can really protect themselves, and yet Jesus turns around, and what is he calling us? Sheep. Think about that a little bit, like, just extend that out, all right? I mean, so, uh, we're a little doll, maybe? Uh, we're, we're not the brightest bulb around, kind of, and Jesus, this is what you're telling us, and there's a reason that does that, that Jesus does that, because really, We are dependent. We are sheep. We often are dull a lot of times. We often are spiritually bankrupt. We try to depend on ourselves over and over again, and over and over again we fall. We human beings, we mess things up. We're sheep. Let me give you an example. You've probably seen on Facebook recently. I didn't do this, but I saw it on Facebook. This whole thing, I don't even know exactly what it's called, but something about like, has age hit you or how has age hit you? And the challenge is to take one of your first photos on Facebook and put it out there and put a more current picture of yourself out there and do a comparison between the two. I didn't put these pictures on Facebook, but I thought, hey, I'll show this to you. Uh, Here's a picture from Jen and I uh, 18 years ago, very early on in our marriage there on the left. And then on the right is a picture as a pretty current picture of Jen and I. And it's interesting, lots of times when we think about our younger selves, we might like the fact that, you know, I didn't have as many aches and pains then, or I didn't have any gray hair then, but most of the time, wherever we are in life, we look back at our younger self, and what is it we tend to say? Something like, oh, look at those young, naive kids. Boy, they didn't know anything at the time. Boy, if they only knew what was coming their way, there's not a whole lot that they know at that point. But... I sure got it together now. Now I've got the world figured out. Now I'm full of wisdom. Now I get it. Except, here's what would happen. If 10 years from now, if Jen and I make it that long and we're both still around, 10 years from now, we could look back at the picture I just showed you, the second picture, and what would we say? We'll be like, oh, you know, it's nice that we weren't quite as gray then and all these things, but we will also, 10 years from now, look at ourselves today, and what will we say? Oh, those naive guys and girls. Yeah, they didn't know anything. Boy, if they only knew what was coming their way, boy, they, you know, kind of thing. And then we would do it 10 years after that. We keep doing this over and over and over again, thinking all the time, now I'm at a place of wisdom. And then we realize, oh, we're really not. Now I'm in a place of wisdom. Oh, but we're really not. Over and over. And Jesus says, that's because y'all are sheep. You keep doing this over and over. You might remember a while ago, we we mentioned something called the illusory superiority effect. It's the idea that we tend to view ourselves in a better light than what we actually are, especially compared to our neighbors or our peers. For example, about 90% of individuals think they are better drivers than their peers. That is statistically impossible. And yet we all think that we're better. What's going on there? We're not being realistic about what's really happening. We're not really being honest with ourselves. Jesus is saying, y'all are sheep. Let me give you one more example as you're thinking about this of how we tend to be sheep. For some of us, we admittedly struggle too much with what people think of us. That is a struggle when we care too much about what you think of me and that needs to be put away. But if we're honest with ourselves, some of us actually need to care more about what other people think of us and respond accordingly. For example, let's say that you are a poet and let's say that you create a a poem 
you think it's really good, you give it to 10,000 people, and all 10,000 people say, that's a bad poem. If you're like, you all are crazy, this is a great poem, and I wrote it, and I believe in myself, that's fine to a degree, but if 10,000 people all agree that your poem is bad, then chances are the poem is actually bad. Because at some point, you need somebody outside of yourself to validate you. You need somebody outside of yourself to say that you are beautiful and you are of worth. This is the reason why for children, it's one of the reasons it's so important as they are being raised that there is somebody to come alongside of them from the outside of who they are and say you are beautiful and you are valued and you are loved. Otherwise, most likely, there'll be a deviant trajectory in their life because they had nobody coming along from the outside saying you are beautiful and of worth. Guess what this shepherd does for us? Guess what Jesus does for every single one of us? He comes along from the outside and says, you are beautiful. You are valid. You are of worth. Do you hear what he's doing? He loves us so much. He doesn't just protect us. He offers us his life, which validates our life, into the beautiful thing God desires and created for us to be and experience. And Jesus does this. Any, any shepherd that's guarding their sheep, they don't just sit with them and hope everything is going to go okay. Whenever necessary, a shepherd will fight for their sheep. They will step in and deal with whatever obstacles are coming their way. And Jesus does this for us. How does Jesus choose to fight for us? He looks at us and he says, no matter what you're going through, no matter how many mistakes you've made, no matter how much brokenness is in your life, no matter how many times you've treated someone else poorly, no matter what kind of sin is in your life, I will fight for you. And the way I will fight for you is I will go to the cross for you because I love you. There's a point in the Gospel of John chapter 4, a woman comes to the well and Jesus knows her whole life history and is a very colored past. She's been with lots of men, her life is in shambles, and Jesus says, doesn't matter, I love you. And he engages the conversation in order to connect her to him. He steps in and fights for her and he does that for all of us as well. How? By going to the cross for us. Shepherds fight for their sheep. But here's one of the things I want us to hear again as we're escalating in this personal nature. It's not just that God knows us. It's not just that he lays down his life for us. We also understand this. Jesus lays down his life for us in this way. And I want us to catch this. If you look with me or here in the Gospel of John again, chapter 10, verse 11, it says this. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That's what I just shared with you. Now you might hear that and be like, okay, sure. But here's the thing. The word for for in this passage is a Greek word called gar, and it literally means in the place of. So I just read, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. More literally, it would read this way. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life in the place of the sheep. Do you hear that? He doesn't just offer his life in general. He steps into our shoes and takes what would have come to us on our behalf so that we are the ultimate ones to benefit. Why does Jesus do this? Why is he willing to do this? Why is he willing to lay down his life for us? Here's why. It was also shared in this passage here as we shared it today. There's a difference between if you are hired to watch sheep and you are the shepherd of the sheep. 
The hired individuals, when they come along, they're going to do their job. They'll try to protect the sheep. But hey, if the sheep end up having a bad day or even get killed, I'm still going to get paid at the end of the day. As the hired hand, I go back to whoever and I say, hey, I put my eight hours in. I'm sorry about your sheep, but I, don't, I want my money now. Versus if you are the shepherd, those sheep are everything to you. Pound for pound, sheep may be the most valuable animals there are because you can use almost every part of them. You can use the meat, you can use the wool, you can use the skin. So yes, even though they're defenseless, even though they're dumb and dull a lot of times, to the shepherd, they're also the shepherd's everything. They are the shepherd's livelihood. And so if wolves come along to attack those sheep, you better believe that shepherd is going to get in the way of those wolves and fight for them and if need be, lay down his life for those sheep. Otherwise, if those sheep are lost, if they die, that shepherd has lost everything. Why? Because those sheep are his treasure. Do you know what we are to God? We are his treasure. God looked upon us and looked upon eternity and said, I would rather spend all of eternity with you and I will do whatever I can. I will, you are my treasure and I will fight for you so much so I will send my one and only son on your behalf to lay down his life in place of you so that we can spend eternity together because you are my treasure because I love you more than you could possibly know. Because when I look at you, I look all the way down to the depths of your heart and I see the most beautiful thing in all of creation. And so I give my life for you. That's how much I love you. That's how much I want to be with you. That's how much I want you to know me and me to know you because as sheep, we are God's treasure. There is no way I, in limited human words, can help us grasp what that really means. I need the help of God's Holy Spirit to help us understand that it's the difference between coming and learning about and doing good moral acts and coming and engaging in a personal way with God Almighty, who will fill our souls because he views us as his ultimate treasure. When that begins to sink into our minds, it is a game changer of what a worship experience is because it is an experience. It's an experience with this shepherd who knows us more personally, deeply, intimately, more wonderful than anyone else in the universe and it's what our souls are longing for because we're his treasure. Around the late 1800s, early 1900s, maybe some of you have heard, I'm sure many of you have heard of Sherlock Holmes and the stories that came with him, but um, author Conan Doyle was the one who wrote those stories. Uh, there's a story called uh, The Musgrove Ritual. And the story is this, that there was a gentleman named Mr. Musgrove and he comes to Sherlock Holmes and he says, I have a problem. Two of the servants in my house have disappeared. I need your help to find them. They start to search for these servants and as they're unlocking the mystery and they're kind of going through the clues, they eventually discover that the servants have been killed. That was the negative part, obviously. They couldn't bring them back. But in that process, they found out why the servants had been killed, and that was because those servants had stumbled upon something called the Musgrove Ritual, which was a set of instructions to some treasure that nobody could find. The treasure was of great value, so great a value, people were willing to put their, their lives on, on the line, risk their lives so they could get the treasure, except that nobody could ever find the treasure. 
Every time they would read these set of instructions, the Musgrove ritual, they'd get to a certain point and then there would be a dead end. And one of the things that had happened is this was all happening on a British estate. Near the British estate was a lake and one of the clues had been to get to the lake and find some stones and find some twisted metal in the bottom of the lake. That had been found and had been brought and been put with this set of instructions. And so literally by this set of instructions, there was a bag sitting. In the bag were some rocks and some twisted metal. And then they're reading these set of instructions, the Musgrave ritual, and they're trying to figure out, what do we do now? Where's the treasure? No one had been able to figure this out. Until finally, Sherlock Holmes is listening and putting all the clues together, and he had an idea. And he said, would you bring me a rag? And they bring him a rag, and he picked up the twisted, dark piece of metal. He just begins to rub it. Rubbed it even harder. Rubbed it even harder. And after a couple of minutes of rubbing, they got enough of the crud and dirt and rust off, and there underneath all of it was a beautiful gold crown. Because Sherlock Holmes had remembered that years prior, Charles I, the king, had been beheaded and his crown had been lost and no one had ever been able to find it. And here it had gotten thrown into the lake and then with all the sediments and over time and rust, this beautiful thing had been covered up in dirt and soot and everything else. And all these people had come along and they'd looked right at it, but had never seen the beauty of what was before them. Until Sherlock came along and was able to look underneath the crud and saw this most gorgeous of things. Jesus looks at you and I, and he sees beneath the layers of crud and sin and filth and mistakes, and all he sees is a beautiful golden treasure. When that sinks in, when somehow that's not just here, but gets here, our experience with the living God is different. We're never the same people again because he's at work in us and through us and with us in the most vulnerable and beautiful of ways. See, the sheep know their shepherd's voice. So my question to you today is this. Do you know that voice? He's here right now calling you, prompting you in the most deep and personal and intimate of ways. We can't end this time together without me sharing one last piece of information to you about shepherds and, uh, and their sheep, and that is this. I don't know if you've ever seen a shepherd lose their sheep, but you've probably heard of a shepherd going to find their sheep. In fact, they'll leave a whole bunch of sheep and go find the one that's lost. We've heard that before in different places. But here's the thing. When a shepherd finds the sheep, very rarely does the sheep jump up, up and down saying, thank you for finding me. Thanks for going out of your way to come and get me. Thank you. They don't do that. In fact, sometimes when the shepherd finds the sheep, the sheep keeps even running for whatever reason. They're not the easiest things to gather up. So when a shepherd would find the sheep, you know what it would do? <laughs> He'd take the sheep... Throw them on the ground for a minute. Really? Stun the sheep so that the sheep wouldn't run away. And then in that stunned state, the shepherd would pick up the sheep and literally put it around his neck so he could carry it back to the flock. Now you and I, usually if we see a picture like this, our thought tends to be, well, isn't that nice? 
sweet, cuddly lamb being carried by Jesus back to, let me tell you, he's been stunned. <laughs> I mean, that he's been like thrown to the ground, like boom, you know, I mean, it's not, it's not as cozy as you think. <laughs> but it took the stunning for the sheep to be in a state to be able to be brought back because on its own, the sheep wasn't going to do it. So today, my word can only go so far. So I pray now in these moments for the Holy Spirit to do whatever it needs to do to stun us in such a way that we're willing to be brought into the flock, into a life with Jesus, where we are known, where we understand he gave his life so we can have life, and that we are his treasure. By the power of God's Holy Spirit, may we realize this this morning. Would you pray with me? Almighty God, as we gather together here now, we pray that we will again hear your voice in a deeply powerful, personal, intimate way. Lord, help us to know you. Help us to realize that you have given your life for ours. Help us to know we are your treasure. Jesus, speak now. And let us hear you. Savior, like a shepherd, lead us.